Welcome back to another financially unstable episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movie we love, break it apart, to find out what gives it its magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and guy who should have just dug holes, Alex Dantino. <laughs> All right, before we delight daddy... A little bit of business. Guys, it's official. We're on Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash Film Alchemist Pod. The best way to support the show. The best way to make the show exactly what you want and deserve. For as little as a dollar a month, you can join our community over there. Every dollar helps. It means the world to us. Uh, we assure you. So even a dollar a month, get in, see what we're working on. As you climb the uh, official Highlander tier ranking system. Official. You gain access to our exclusive library of uh, Patreon episodes. You can vote on what episodes you want to be uh, recorded in the future. We got many series. We got full-length feature commentaries. You can even pick your own double feature. All kinds of fun stuff we're working on over there. Uh, we try to put a lot of effort into that to make sure it's worth your guys' time and support. So, again, that's patreon.com slash Pod. If you can and you'd be so kind, we would appreciate it. For those of you who already do, thank you. For those who are about to, thank you as well. Preach. You can uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. The email is filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on all the socials you're on. We're easy to get a hold of, so reach on out. Uh, and another thing you can do that's free, easy, simple, help the show, besides sharing all of our stuff on your socials, leave us rating and reviews wherever you find the show and everywhere you find the show. All right. Back to business. Handcuffs, ball gagged, <laughs> on hands and knees, waiting for daddy's mercy or punishment. I hate this analogy. <laughs> daddy said no safe words, but instead we're, we're with our little, our chained up bodies, we're nuzzling a gift towards daddy Dandino's feet. As this month, we delight wow. Dandino, this, I, the month of his birth. I think what's weird is this is more something that would work for your birthday, but, you know, I'll take it. It's fine. This is just how you think I get down? I'm whip. trying to paint a picture you, for you, motherfucker. You've always been more the whips and chains type, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let the mustache fool you. Oh, it's fools. I did read a tweet the other day that said the sluttiest thing a boy can do is have a mustache. And I did kind of go, nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Neither here nor there. Uh, nice. <laughs> oh, nice. Nailing it. Uh, so, yeah, daddy. Daddy, here's your gift. Dear God. Yeah. Uh, so we push forth to your feet, right? I talked to your mother, your wife, and uh, we came up with a list of movies. I love the list um, so far. Your wife, this was one of her, like, she gave me really well thought out. Yeah. Uh, She's got emotional, a Emotional, sentimental movies about the two of you, right? Yep, yep. But she said she knew this was one of your comfort movies. I know you've talked about, like, this and Draft Day or, like, your go-to flying movies, right? Stuff like that. Not, not so this I'm going to... Oh, <laughs> Sorry, Daddy, don't punish me, Sadie. I'm going to uh, kick it over to you. Sure. So you can uh, explain why, for the month of birthday gifts, you chose Margin Call. Yeah. So uh, I don't know why, but around 2015 or something like that, I really decided – I just started watching like a lot of financial thrillers. I don't know why – like I'm not rich and I have no interest in, I mean, I, I like money. I, I know how to spend money. I know how to save it sometimes. Um, 
But um, something about the housing crash in 2008, I don't know if it's because like I have, I have some personal connection to that. Like my parents had to go through a short sale in their house because the lenders were just dicks. Like they weren't upside down on their mortgage. They were just trying to refinance like normal people and they just got screwed over by the bank. So I don't know if maybe that has something to do with it. I think just overall the unknowable nature of the stock market and this thing that happened to us is so interesting. So for me, there are like three movies that you can watch to really start to understand. Now, the one that's the most popular is probably The Big Short, which like mm-hmm. almost I think won Oscars. I don't remember. Definitely got nominated a bunch. Um, the second one is an HBO movie called Too Big to Fail, which is based on a book. Um, it's about the actual things that were happening to people like Hank Paulson and Ben Bernanke, like the people who are actually in like ground zero of like all this shit happening. Uh, as the as the uh, investment bank started collapsing, mm-hmm. Margin Call is a fictional movie based on most of the true events that are based on like the inception of the truer events. So basically, what I liked about Margin Call is for one, J.C. Shandor's first movie. This was his first one out the fucking gate, written yeah. and directed, uh, wrote and directed it, got an Academy Award nomination for best original screenplay. So. Really tight screenplay. Um, I like the pace of this movie. And I think a re- a something that you brought up, which I think is interesting, it runs in diametric opposition of the other movies about the financial crisis. Mm-hmm. And is much more about like, yeah, like a single day of how fucked up this whole thing got. Um, yeah. And on top of that, it's just a fucking stacked cast, man. I mean, yeah, holy shit. It was it was interesting because I had seen the other two, right? I think I thought this one was too big to fail. Right. And I was expecting, when I watch these kind of movies, right, I'm expecting fire and brimstone, like the chicken little thing. The sky's falling. Yeah, of course. That makes sense. Or like the frat boy mentality, mm-hmm. right? The fucking Wolf of Wall Street, you know, or even totally. Greed is Good, Gordon Gecko, right? I have my ideas. Yeah. I was so struck by the somberness of this film. This film is still, this film is, I don't want to say stagnant because that implies that it's not good, right? Yeah. It it really just makes the audience wallow in this. Yeah. And and it kind of pairs with this this two-pronged attack of one, there's no speeding through. There's no, no one screaming. This is the, I'm being killed by the, the fucking bulldozer in Austin Powers, <laughs> right? The, no! Yeah, no! absolutely. Like, it takes forever. And then also the fact that they fucking refuse to give us information. Yeah. So, like, we have eight characters who say, say it to me in plain English. I don't read those things. And they just keep refusing to say anything past. We bundled these things, you know, that are high leverage. We keep whatever the jargon is, right? We keep them on the books too long, whatever. Right. Um, They're outside of the models and we're fucked. Like, if this goes bad a couple more times and we get caught. We're negative more than the total valuation of the company. Right. So this feels like it's going like when he starts calling, right? They start off with everyone getting laid off. Then he's calling his boss back from this bar and you're like, oh, shit, here we go. Yeah. And it just never fucking ramps up. And it just had this like this slow crushing dread. Yeah. I think that's what makes the movie interesting is it's written and paced like a thriller almost. With no, like, like a slow burn thriller. 
Like that's mm-hmm. the best way I can put it. Cause, and it took me a couple of like, the first time I saw this, I thought that it was because it was poorly written. Just this aspect. So it's funny you bring up the <laughs> aspect of like people not knowing what they're talking, like people not constantly having to ask, can you say in plain English? First few times I watched this, I was like, is this because now JC Chandor's father is an actual investment banker? So I'm like, is this because he didn't want to actually have to ask his dad how this works? Or because he just doesn't know, which, you know, either one is fine. Like also most of us don't, most of us don't. I think that's another, now that's like, to me, the key element. When I started watching it with this frame of this part of it being satirical, almost the movie becomes a much easier to digest and be all that more terrifying. Cause you know, these people actually exist is, Oh yeah the point of these people continuously, like the only person who knows what's going on is the one who got fired, which is um, our friend, uh, the Tooch, the Tooch, the Tooch got loose, Tooch got loose and he's back in the mix. So they fire Stanley Tucci's character. The beginning of this, like sort of the precipice of the movie is Stanley Tucci's character gets fired while he's working on these uh, volatility models that basically are about to say like, dude, the entire company could possibly go under if these trades go bad. So, the bit is every single person except for the people who actually do the trade modeling don't understand what they are asking. So, like, everyone at the top from fucking Jeremy Irons, which we'll get to. Jeremy Irons, Kevin Spacey's character, Paul Bettany, Simon Baker, Demi Moore, who is a ri- the risk assessment analyst, like the president of the risk assessment portion of the firm. All of them... Well, Demi Moore, I guess she gets it. But, like, Asif Mandi, who plays the, like, company's lawyer, everybody seems to not understand and keeps having to ask, can you explain it to me in English? So all these people that we think are in charge of the financial system, where we think are in charge of these things, have absolutely no fucking idea what's going on. And that, I think, once I started watching it with that lens, it became a much more terrifying movie, but also that much more thrilling as you go deeper into the film. Well, yeah, it's it's not a question of like Armageddon is a oh fuck, there's an asteroid coming, we gotta stop it. Right. This is a an asteroid of a different nature, right? This is gonna blow a hole in our our society as we know it. And this is not a how do we fix this monster we've loosed. This is a you know what we gotta do? We gotta get out there and sell torches real quick. Yeah. And so you're watching these people. Essentially, like, imagine the the start of the first scene of Armageddon is someone with a big-ass slingshot shooting that thing at our planet. That's yeah. what this is. And we're watching all these characters start to find out about it. And through all of these tricks and trying to cover their own asses, we get to the top. And the decision's just made. The, the There's no music. The Basically, dance is over. Yeah. The decision being, like, that scene in the movie is... Again, and this covers like maybe 10 minutes of the film, but that 10 minutes alone is so terrifying because you realize there's no way that this conversation didn't take place at least twice throughout this entire, throughout the entire financial crisis, which was literally people sitting in a room saying, okay, we have caused a huge problem. Mm -hmm. There is no way to fix it. The only thing we know better to do is to infect the entire system. Like it's... It is literally a virus. It's literally a coronavirus looking out and be like, let's just do this thing. Like it's, 
it's that is like that's the most terrifying thing is everyone just being like let's get it done well there there are even these moments right because once you're in the building it has that basic problem about movies about people with money where you're like good fuck all of them yeah the problem with this movie is that if you guys sell off and blow you know this company apart and this society apart and wall street apart you get a bonus yeah. So all these people are going to walk away with millions for being the fucking Jason Voorhees of Wall Street, right? right. And so you see that there are these small scenes, right, where, like, uh, Zachary Quinto and uh, what's-his-name, you are in the fucking cab. <laughs> Penn Badgley. And he, yeah, and Penn Badgley's always just like, how much do you think that guy yeah. makes a year? And then Zachary Quinto's like, do you... Do you hear like, yourself when these, you talk? These, <laughs> not only that, but he's just like, these people don't know what's coming. Yeah. Oh, that like scene all, in the car, yeah. It's, yeah, it's the opposite of um, Don't Look Up, right? Where if Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence's characters just go, eh, shh. Yeah. Like, we'll build our own bunker and hide. And there is this, like, they're walking through. There's one scene where Demi Moore and um, the Simon, other guy. Simon Baker. Yeah, Simon Baker. They're talking over a cleaning lady. Yeah. Trying to cover their asses, Again. not realizing that the people that the the lady and the people like her that they're talking over right working normal people are just going to get they're going to get fucked absolutely and they're they're worried about who's going down in this and that they're all walking out of there with yeah. millions that's they're scene, all getting paid for this crime and this destruction of our fucking normal lives that scene today particularly hit me because again again like this is why i like coming back this yeah it is like my one of those comfort movies i like watching because like it's quiet and also like I've watched it enough now where I can kind of follow it. But the other thing is, yeah, like I keep picking up these other smaller bits in the movie. And that one is one that I picked up really recently is like these people think that their problems are so much bigger than this woman who's cleaning this building. And the problem is, is that literally they are sitting in the elevator with the person they are going to fuck over thinking that they're not fuck that they're not fuck overable. Like well, there's oh, even fine. the moment when uh Quinto asked him, Hey, have you talked to your son? He's like, What? No. And he's like, You know about all this that's coming. Does he know what's about to happen? He seemed like a good guy. Yeah. And Kevin Spacey has a moment of pause and he's like, mm, normally I do think about young people all the time. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Actually, before we do have to point out the real rapey the elephant. The little in the, room, the yeah. little rapey elephant in the room. Did you I I've not seen I've not sought out Kevin Spacey movies at all. No, um, I honestly don't know if I'd seen him in anything since it happened. I don't think I have either. Um, no, that's not true because I did watch Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and I think because he's getting abused the whole movie, it was fine. It's okay, yeah, that makes sense. This one, it, it, this movie has an enormous fucking flaw. It's that the 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 lens of the protagonist cannot exist in this movie because. Zachary Quinto seems to be the guy they're going to use as a, why don't you people understand what I'm saying? By right. the end, he just easily gets co-opted. They're like, you're a oh, rocket yeah, no, scientist. He's part, he becomes, he becomes part of the system. Yeah. So they try to foist this off on Kevin Spacey. And so by the end, when we watch Kevin Spacey, which is already cringe, and we, we see him trying to do this false nobility shit. Yeah. It's, it's so insufferable. And I don't think the movie is, trying to make us sympathize with this man. Right. In any way, I think they're they're showing us a man who's grasping at straws trying to rewrite history as it were. Right. But that part 
that the twofold attack of knowing his real history. It's hard and to watch. watching him try to be like, hey, our talents weren't wasted, right? Right. We did some good in this. It's like, fuck you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think. Don't the- go dig a hole in your ex-wife's front yard, you fucking Yeah, cop. the harder like- thing was, like, today watching it, knowing all this shit about Kevin Spacey and, like, because the first time you see Kevin Spacey in the movie, he's crying because he has to, like, they basically they have, dog have, is have dying, to put his dog yeah. down. And he, like, again, in 2011 was when the movie came out, like, very different time. We were not all thinking Kevin Spacey was a gigantic creep at that point. He was just a, yeah. he was just an actor who was in a lot of movies. That, and I realize watching it today, my lens did change a lot of, like, I don't feel bad for Kevin Spacey's character right now. And I you think know what it is, too? Is he was such a piece of shit about all of it. Yeah. Like, he made those weird videos those weird, in character yeah. as President Frank and shit. So he's so extra creepy. Mm-hmm. I mean, doing the crimes themselves are plenty creepy enough. Right. But it is weird because I, I think it's one of those you have to figure out if you're a person that can separate art and artist. Because mm-hmm. when you really start digging in, it yeah. is hard to find any works of art that some piece of shit is not profiting. Yeah, no, I agree. I actually. Sadly, especially I, the further you go back. So I feel like I'm normally able to do that, right? And I'm not saying one way is right or wrong. No, I agree. If, if a movie disgusts you because of someone's behavior, don't watch it. Like, I get it. I normally can just watch it as a story or a piece. It did fuck with, fucking bother me today. Same, same. I actually, as far as protagonist, like, because I do think, yeah, like, by the end, you realize Zachary Quinto is going to be part of the problem. Like, there is this, like, shifting protagonist, like – it's fun to watch it because it is like, you're trying to find the person you're going to root for, or at least like find the person that's going to make sense. And what's interesting is like throughout the movie that shifts constantly. Like at first it's actor Quinto. Cause he's the one who's like, guys, this is bad. Like we got to fix this. We got to figure this out. And Seems then it's like a whistleblower. Savior, right. Yeah. For a lot of, and I don't know about you, but like for a big chunk of the movie, it is Paul Bettany for me because he's just an honest, like, He's yeah. just an honest Wall Street asshole. He's like, like when they ask him how much money, he's like, is it true you made $2.5 million last year? He goes, yeah, sure, why not? And he like literally sums it up. And you're like, this is a guy who understands what's going on. Like He knows yeah. that it's like bullshit. And he even says while they're on the roof, he's like, they're going to make us sell it. You watch. Yeah. Like, You don't think it's Insanely possible? Insanely unlikable, but isn't hiding behind any – No, there's like, no watching pretense. Watching Kevin Spacey pretend he cares about these people. <laughs> yeah. And like any of it, like he has any dignity by the end of that movie. He's a fucking hatchet man. Yeah. He's a piece of shit. Paul Bettany is just bad honest. guy. And I think yeah, that's they're all what piece of shit, bad characters, right? They're yeah. all really bad. Two of them are brutally honest. And it's Paul Bettany and Jeremy Irons. Yes. And, and Jeremy Irons can afford to be honest. You <laughs> almost can't fucking fault them. Because at least they know what game they're in. Exactly. The rest of them do too, but they try to cover it up in whatever. There tries to be this like, I mean, even like Stanley Tucci's Tucci's character by the end, like he is the like. Well, the sac- fact he didn't run out and tell other people, right. he's not. He's, he's like not this sacrificial lamb, but he also had just been walking around all night. Comes back and makes like whatever yeah. the insane sum drunk, of money is. Probably at a brothel, like whatever. Yeah. He was not out saving our economy before they could. Right. Dig Whatever, like, in. the absurd also, number was he, he was getting have. paid hourly. Like, he because yeah. he sits in that. 176000 Yeah, yeah. What, like, 
this absurd number. He's like sits there and he's talking with Demi Moore's character, who's like, in my opinion, Demi Moore's character might be one of the worst ones because you're like they all start getting paid and they all start yeah. collapsing. And like, yeah, I the, one of my favorite. Like Jeremy, no, you crying in the toilet. I'm like, you're the biggest piece. <laughs> yeah, of Penn Badgley crying in the toilet. I'm like, dude, come on. You don't care. You'll You've be been fine. here for like a year. You'll be fine. You're gonna wind up with a million dollars walking out the door. You're You'll gonna learn fine. how to rebind a book and build a fucking, <laughs> you know, terrarium for the women you capture. You piece of shit. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> that's exact. This is actually the prequel to you. That's what I found out. It would add up. He's like, call me Joe. <laughs> I really like Molye. Molye really pumps my nads. That's it. But uh, no, fuck that guy too. But this, I, 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 I like because Jeremy Irons to me is the character that I I latched on to the most. Yeah, because I like him coming in and just you know, fucking around. Right, we're gonna be holding the biggest, smelliest bag of excrement ever. Yeah. Right. His thing at the end, when the whole hatchet job's going, they're selling, selling, selling. People are still buying, which is insane. And Kevin Spacey's like, they're letting people go. And he fucking Pac-Man's number munches his way up the stairs. Right. And he goes to the room, and he's just eating and drinking a paper in this peaceful room high above the fucking just- city. And he starts laying into him, right? And he's just... Jeremy Irons like, I'm feeling better about this thing. They say they're bringing in Zachary Quinto because there's going to be money to make. But what he says is, you know, he's just – Sam's, like, trying to make some bullshit. He's like, this is what you've done for 40 yeah. years. It's all just money. It's all made up. It's all this – like, we do the same thing over and over. We can't help ourselves. And when he starts summing that up, right, money is this fucking fake thing so we don't have to kill each other to eat, right? And, like – the, the another thing he always says right the percentages never change there might be more of us yeah the same percentage of winners losers whatever and so he just keeps laying these fucking truisms down and people just can't like Kevin Spacey might like not because of your speech because I need money I'm I need like, the money yeah that's that's noble like way to take a stand now you fucking flaccid little noodle yeah you know what I mean like what a gross little fucking guy he is but. It, it's kind of the same thing as Paul Bettany, right? Because they're, they're kind of like the chaos and the order version of the same argument. Yeah, yeah. When he's like, you know, everyone gets their fucking big house they don't pay for because we put our hand on the scale. Right. If we don't and you take us out and make us the bad guys, I love that line he says where the world gets really fucking fair really fucking fast. Yeah. And no one wants that. And it is this kind of we as the audience have to confront the fact that we have created this monster yeah, too. We're part so of we're, this. we're sitting under the weight of this, this dreadful inevitability right. as well. Like, and we're letting them do it again right now, right now. Yeah. Like it's, it's always happening. They always are always over there itself. cheating and swindling. I will say it sucks, dude. <laughs> two of my favorite Jeremy iron, like Jeremy irons is like, so Jeremy Irons shows up like halfway through this movie and then just fucking takes it home. But mm. There's two moments that he always has that I'm just like, God, dude, what is that? What is what is it like to be that powerful in a room? Not even as an actor, but like to be that version of power, which is the first time is when they're um, they're at the end of the first like boardroom speech where basically he gives a so we we may survive in that very terrifying Jerry Myers thing, and he's like he asks where uh, Stanley Tucci's character is. And they're like, we, we don't know. We can't find him. He looks up. He goes, Carmelo. And he's like, have Eric. He's like, have Eric Dale back here by 730. 
it's done. You're like, God damn, what is it like to have a Carmelo in your life? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I just got I've just got a former Dantini. That's all I've got. No. I know. Poor you, you I know what I mean? Gonna, uh yeah, man. It's just But the other the Irons other comes in and presents this fucking boogeyman, right? Yeah. This all these people are quaking, and he's just the guy who says, Yep, yep. this fucking sucks. We're doing this. We'll be fine. Yeah. None of it's gonna matter for him. The other one though is when he goes in basically so and again, this is something they bring up in the other, like, Too Big to Fail particularly, which is, like, you have to fire people. Because, again, I was talking to my wife about I this I had today. to feed the board, yeah. I was talking to my wife about this today. Like, that's what the, like, financial system's based on is, like, the trust that we all have. They're like, oh, those fucking rich people know exactly what they're doing with all my money and their money. They don't. But, like, absolute cocks the, the concept of the market is based on trust. So, like, what you have to do is, yeah, you, like, to show that you are responsible, you fire somebody who's, like, a sacrificial lamb, essentially. So he goes into Moore's character's office, and it's between, like, her and Simon Baker. And she's, like, and she gives tries to, like, weasel her way out of it by saying, like, I was told very clearly that I would not be held responsible for me doing these things. And it's, like, this perfectly calculated beat and again this is the part that's like the thriller of it all is this perfectly calculated beat and he just says i would really appreciate if you didn't fight me on this like Mm -hmm. and it's because it's jeremy irons there's this level of terror to it that it's like he could ruin your entire life like just by sitting even more simple than that right yeah is he just said you can take a moral stand that you don't believe in Right? Because every one of these people, their financial careers are over. For sure. And so what he's saying is you can be fed to the machine, right? Mm -hmm. The street will eat you. The street is paved in your blood. But you can get a big-ass fucking check on your way out. So how much is your moral set? When Kevin Spacey's in that bathroom pretending to have an existential crisis, more because he knows this is the last score and he won't be able to keep cheating people for much longer... (laughs) Not because he doesn't want to do it. But because he's really afraid in real life. Er, yeah, he offers him a big-ass bonus check. Yep. And he's just like, I'm with the firm. I'm like, all right, stop making these little stands. And it, it is funny. This is one of the very few movies where I feel like most of the Wall Street and trader people are trying to lie to themselves and pretend they're oh, not totally. fucking modern-day pirates. Absolutely, right. 1, and you, you talk about this trust, and I think we've never had less trust in financial institutions, government institutions. Absolutely. Like, the pillars of our society, trust-wise, are crumbling all around us. Yeah. And movies like this are like the nightmares of what we all think is happening all the time. Totally. Hopefully not, or our society would probably not exist. <laughs> but that's what we think. This yeah. is what I think. Every time I imagine a Wall Street Tower... I just imagine a bunch of shitbags in like Patrick Bateman's. Yeah, a lot of Patrick planning Bateman's. on destroying the society so they can fucking have better Absolutely. face mask. No, I don't disagree. I mean, like, I think that's what the movie does so well is it doesn't shy away from the fact that these people, like, nobody is redeemable. Like, no one's doing yeah. anything out of the kindness of their heart. They're fucking selfish like the rest of us, and that. Mm-hmm. Again, they get wh- that meeting, 93%, you get this. And you see them all being like, hmm. All well. right, I guess, you know. Like, yeah, they're all sitting there like, well, I guess I won't be a finance guy anymore, but I will walk out yeah. of here with two fucking million dollars. Yeah, I'll take my three million to the Midwest and cry that's, on the highest thread count pillow. That's that other part, that boardroom scene. Like, I think that's maybe one of the, like, 
in modern cinema, like maybe one of the finest, like just like moments in a movie, that entire boardroom scene is structured so well. It's act, they act the shit out of it. And again, it's also one of these movies that absolutely could be a play and yet mm. structurally does a good job of not doing that thing that play movies do a lot of the time, because it is, it takes place essentially in one location, like without yeah. fail, but yeah. it does a good job of keeping things moving without being overly raw with dialogue. Like, I don't think it's, a, I don't, I mean, it's dialogue heavy, but I don't think it's like overly dialogued, but the thing that makes it thrilling is like that sort of space in between a lot of these moments is you're just like, nobody knows the answers. Like it's terrifying that no one knows the answers or they do. And they have these like almost blowups. Like the first time we see meet Simon Baker's character and he walks out and you find out later it's cause he called Jeremy Irons. He walks out and Kevin Spacey like quietly looks at Demi Moore's like, I told you about this. I warned you. And they're trying to get into it and he walks right back and you're like, this is like the terrifying thing about corporate America is that no yeah. one's willing to tell the truth. Like they the, all cheat and steal. The and truth then now is they're so like, terrifying. Oh shit, we got caught. Yeah. And this is one of those like people should have gone to jail. I don't think hardly anyone did. One guy went to jail. Yeah. People should have been like, like every character in this movie, except for you, Spock, and that's it should go to jail yeah forever absolutely like throw the key like jeremy irons character should be in he committed murder he killed the market for yeah. years he should have gone to jail kevin spacey should be in jail every right. well in real life too um <laughs> but every jeremy, one of these fucking characters should be behind bars but and like they try to like in that boardroom meeting too like after after he finally tells them, like, you, like Kevin Spacey's like, you know you're going to ruin the market for years. Like, you know this is a bad idea. You are deliberately poisoning yeah. the market. And he's like, I understand. And then yeah. – The first one out the door isn't panic. That's what he yeah. says. Well, his always, like – well, that's what he says. So his, like, the big block in the speech is like, what did I tell you the first time you walked in my office? Like, mm -hmm. there are three ways to make money in this business. Lie be smarter or be first. And like, he's like, or cheat, be smarter or be first. He's like, no, I don't cheat. And even though I like to think we have a lot of pretty smart people in this building, it's a whole hell of a lot easier to just be first. And also then, the entire movie's about how they cheated, but neither. Right, of course <laughs> you're like, okay, well you definitely a cheater, but sure. Whatever you say. So you're good at all three of these things. is what you're saying. Well you're done. a fucking black belt. You're the father, son and fuck you spirit. of this. <laughs> Uh, this I'm business this model upside yes. down crucifix yeah. well done uh hey fuck you and then he fucking like when they say like when he when he basically says like sam gives the marching orders of like hey we're gonna have to come out the gate swinging like we're gonna be done by 11 because by 11 30 the sec is gonna be in here and crawling up your ass when he says like you're gonna like, he's like well what is what are we gonna do he's like you're gonna have to pay he's like obviously like he says, like, there are, what, like, 35 traders on the floor? That's $2 million per trader, basically, if they make their marks. So he's yeah. willing to throw up, like, basically I mean, they, $100 I think they million. Said 60. I think they said they were calling in, like, 60 people that day. Yeah, so that means – so that's $120 million between these. So, like, with – like, you're basically throwing out $200 million to fucking destroy the market. And like root like for like I mean that went on to like 2013 from 2008 yeah. to Paul 2013. Paul Bettany lost 150 million on that one trade we yeah. heard about. 
By the way, yeah, that, I mean it, it's big scary. That section, man. that section two is really fascinating. Like the way that is cut, I've always been fascinated by that moment. Like it shouldn't work, and feels like a cop out almost because you want to see like them sweating in the in the bullpens, and yet those calls are so fucking. Those calls are so like because you just hear it get progressively worse. Well, it's haunting in a couple ways, right? Is one, you hear these disembodied voices, which lets you know there are other places with other scumbags <laughs> who are also betting it's not on not just this. this one place. They know that this company's selling everything off, but they're like, maybe I'll gamble someone's retirement on this. Um, also, there there is a cold, unstoppable inevitability of this machine. Yeah. And so the fact that they are so unfrantic by the end just adds this massive amount of dread. Mm-hmm. You know, it's when you're like, well, I can't escape Freddy. I have to turn around and look him in the eyes. Yeah. And it's just a nightmare. They're like, I don't know that we've ever fully woken up from, man. And it's that that dread, that sitting in it, that molass, every character being so fucking resigned mm-hmm. to just like, well, we got caught. It's over. Yeah. Um, And what's over when the movie's over is not these character story, but all of our lives were fucking upended yeah. and disrupted um, by this fucking massive event, man. And, and they, they capture the, I, I think that the stillness and the slow speed really lets the feelings of it, the, the remembrance of it sink in, even Absolutely. though we don't have a lot of information. I have to ask you, what the fuck is going on in this final scene? I'm so glad you brought this up. I literally I, don't understand this I, as a last scene for I this movie. I actually think this is the weakest part of the movie. And I, the fact that it ends this way kind of... Because it's his ex-wife's house? Yeah, it kind of always bothers me. Like, it really yeah. does not work, in my opinion. And, like, it's sort of just this, like... Because he's not burying the dog, right? No, he's burying the dog. He is burying the yeah, dog. Yeah, he's burying he the dog. if I had, like, done something else, there'd be a, at least a couple more holes in the earth to show for it. Yeah, no, he's burying. Why is he burying his dog at his ex-wife's house? I don't I, like. I think. Why this does is, she not seem upset that there's a dead dog in her front yard? This is one of those things that either is lost because of editing or just maybe like it's just an like it's just like a director choice of like oh like the director thinks that we might possibly feel an ounce of empathy <laughs> for Kevin Spacey. I mean, even the, before real life, Kevin Spacey. Again, it's just like it's not something that's ever made sense to me of how it ends because like. She goes out there and he asks, like, oh, how did our son do? And, like, you know, she's like, oh, well, they survived. Like, they're not bankrupt, but they got hit pretty hard. You're like, okay, cool. Why do I give a shit about what's going on here? Like, that movie should end at the bell when after uh, the last call that Emerson After Jeremy Irons, like, you can go. Yeah. That's it. That should be it. Like, that should be the end of the movie. strange ending. It is yeah. a really I've never Unless understood Kevin it. Spacey buries himself in that hole. That ending is pretty fucking lost on me. Well, it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense. Like it's not. I think it, the problem is is it's for a movie that's done such a good job making something that's otherwise kind of not compelling at all on screen pretty compelling. It's yeah. such a like a fart of an ending. You're like, who, who cares? Like, 
I don't give a shit that this rich guy went home to a house he doesn't own anymore and buried his dog. I, oh, like, no. He's going to have two more years of salary and his giant fucking golden parachute. Oh, oh, no. But he had to bury his dog. Boo-hoo. So sad. I, mean, I feel bad for the dog. I feel bad for the Although dog. I bet the dog was probably like but fucking it's also swindling this, like, other dogs out of their treats. I think shit. the other thing, too, is like it's this B-plot that gets addressed at the top of the movie that doesn't really play throughout the movie until like yeah he, there is like a weird so was that dog in his trunk yeah like, like what the fuck like it just doesn't it's so weird it just doesn't make sense to me like it's never made sense to me and i've watched this movie countless times it just like just feels not almost disqualifying for any award it got for writing to me like it's such a weird like it, it almost like made me mad i don't know it should like I, i'll be honest with you i usually stop Maybe watching that's the point I usually stop watching the movie after that Jeremy Irons scene because I'm just like, I don't give a yeah. shit what happens with this guy at the end of the movie. Like It's so weird. Like, I've tried all day to, like, crunch that in my mind no, and get anything out of it. I've never Unless really. Unless it's just to show us that, hey, he's going to go back out in the world and pretend he's one of us. Right. And really, he's Michael Myers. He's any fucking slasher. If you want to attach sucks. any sort of emotion to it, I guess. Like, the one thing I would say maybe would work and again this is a real fucking stretch but it is sort of this metaphor for it is this sort of metaphor for like there's nothing you can do about it so now you have to just bury it like you've done the damage the damage has been done it's over with so now you have to you now have to bury yourself like it's the financial you've ruined the market So now you go home and you have to bury, you have to bury it beneath and like move on. I don't know. Like it's, it's the weakest metaphor I can come up with, but like, honestly, like it's never made sense to me from, from like a storytelling perspective, from an editing perspective, like it's never really tracked as an ending because we never see like if it had, if it had come up two more times in the movie or even one more time, I maybe would have bought it, but it really just, it's such like a, it's just like a shitty B plot shoved into the background of a guy who like spends the entire movie trying to do this. Mr. Smith goes to Washington routine and then goes, eh, I need the money. Like it's yeah. just, it just doesn't work. Mr. Smith gets his fucking ax and murders us all in the back. <laughs> um, That's all right. Shitty ending aside. This was a, a really compelling movie for how static it often is. Yes. Um, It really captures that, that ominous. It's just dread vibe yeah Yeah, and i i I was really impressed with that so that's it for margin call we still have more gifts daddy don't punish us please please daddy still more gifts careful you'll end up in spacey's dungeon (laughs) dear god (laughs) my safe word would be kill me (laughs) all right uh yeah fuck that guy man yeah fuck Uh, him fuck him to the end of the world yeah here we go uh patreon Patreon.com slash pod Guys, we would appreciate some support. Uh, if you can, we would appreciate it. Even a dollar a month is uh, really helpful to us. So thank you in advance for those of you who are about to join. Thanks for all of you who already do. Uh, email filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. The YouTube Film Alchemist. Uh, you can email the show at filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. It's late and my brain is melting. Make sure you leave ratings and reviews. Uh, that's it, man. We will be back to delight Dandy one last time before the October Mega Marathon. 
which by the time you hear this, you should be hearing lots of fun details about how to prepare for the infinite abyss. Uh, it's going to be fucking awesome this year. So stay tuned, guys. Uh, for the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Tandino. Save your fo- save your money, guys.